Welcome everyone. I'm Anita Rani, a self-confessed property addict, and this is No Place Like Home, a podcast brought to you by Hampson's estate agents, home experts since 1869. Now I'll be bringing listeners the best home expertise throughout the year, and I've enlisted some of Britain's best known talent to help me along the way. So wherever you're listening, you have come to the right place. Subscribe to stay tuned with upcoming episodes. You will not want to miss this. No one forgets unlocking the door of a new property for the very first time. Whether you're a seasoned homeowner or a first time renter, it's a magical feeling like stepping into your future. I remember opening the door to my first little flat and thinking, this is all mine. I can do whatever I want. And I did. Well, lots has changed since then, but I know how much it meant to have a home of my own. In today's episode, we're starting with the basics. This is Property 101, and we'll be answering all your burning questions about sales and rentals in 2023. So whether you're buying or selling, letting or renting, or even simply window shopping, we've got you covered. And we're extremely lucky to welcome two incredible guests to help. Today, I'm speaking with Amanda Lamb, one of TV's best-loved broadcasters with over 20 years of experience presenting property shows. We're also joined by one of property's freshest faces, Grant Bates, dubbed London's coolest agent. He's the most followed estate agent across Instagram and TikTok, thanks to his London Property Tour series and his fun and accessible advice. Coolest agent. Yeah, I mean, all lies. I was going to jump in, but I didn't want to interrupt you. That is so. a lot to live up to. Yeah, I know. The um, pressure's high. This is so exciting to have you both with me. Thank you. Oh, you're so Pleasure. Welcome. First podcast that we are launching in this series. So there's lots to get into, but I'm going to start with the basics. I explained that I am a property addict. I know the two of you are as well, but we're not alone. We love watching TV shows about property. We love looking at property online. Um, we're obsessed. Even if we're not going to buy a house, we want to know about other people's properties. Mm. Where does this obsession come from, Amanda? What is it? It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think as a nation we are. Mm. You know, I've spent the last 20 years travelling around Europe and I think we are we are obsessed, aren't we? Yeah, we really are. I mean, I don't know where it stems from. I, I remember my parents talking to me constantly about property and renovating property and my dad was in housing. Maybe that's where part of it comes from. But I think also the Brits and especially Londoners are obsessed with period property, like characterful mm. properties. And we're blessed with a lot of those. Is there something London. to do with the dream? You know, you mm. kind of your house is where you live. It sort of says yeah. so much about you. So even if you can't afford the, what's the most expensive property you've got coming on? Uh, something, at, well, I can't raise, 165, 165 yeah. like, <laughs> 9,000. No, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, wouldn't it? Like, I am going to look at that property. Yeah. I mean, one day, maybe, I don't know what's in my destiny, yeah. but however, you know, we just, it's just imagining yourself living in a mm. house really takes you into another world, doesn't it? I think it does, and I think it's also sort of first memories. I mm. don't know about you two, but I can remember when, when I was a little girl, I was five, yeah. and I grew up on an enormous um, housing estate, and our house had just been built, and we were the first people to ever live there. And I can remember getting in my my van, or not my van, my dad's van, and we were sat in the front and we drove there. And I remember running into the house and, and you know, we didn't have any carpets or it wasn't painted, but the, I can remember the floorboards. I can yeah. remember saying to my mum, look, it's a brand new toilet. Nobody has to sat on it. It's a big deal, yeah. But it was, it was the, it was the feeling of home. And I think that's what gets us. It, mm. It's not just the bricks and mortar. Mm. 
it's that feeling of safety and security mm. that you get when you shut that front door. Is that when you first realised, okay, maybe yeah. that's when you think back to where your interest started, mm. was that the moment? Absolutely. Because then yeah. you went off and you actually became a state agent. I did, yeah. So I left school at 15. Wow. Um, I mean, literally, I became an estate agent when dinosaurs still roamed the earth. It was so, <laughs> there were no computers, there was no internet, you know. Is this before the modelling? Yes. Okay. Um, so it was 1988. I left school in 1988 and I, I remember my mum saying to me, make sure you can type. That was the advice. You can always get a job if you can type. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, it's running, still, yeah. good, good skill. I wasn't very good at it, but mm. I did get a job. I got I got offered two jobs, one in a solicitor's and one in an estate agent's. And I like the I like the wallpaper in the estate agents, which is why I went for that. But then once I was in there, I was hooked. Mm. I just I love learning about the way people live mm. and what makes them tick. Mm. I think it's also it's relative and aspirational, right? Like at all levels, there's mm. an aspiration, whether it's a one bedroom flat or a twenty bed mansion at 165 million. There's different levels to that aspiration. It's relative to each person. So I think that's probably a common theme. Uh, running through it but similar mm. to you actually I started in agency I did my A-levels didn't do that well but I did my A-levels and just couldn't face uni and went straight into property and you know, it was accessible as well in terms mm. of a career yeah um, you know it, it was it was an option for me and uh, and you know I was always a bit um, cheeky and a bit of a sales person well, in that yeah, sense so it that. was a nice it was a nice fit you yeah. need yeah. the personality you need to mm. be able to sell you need to convince people that this is because not everyone can see it when you step in mm. 100% and I think I'm a bit of a matchmaker all my single girlfriends I'm always trying to match them up and I think it's the same with houses I love that 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 idea of somebody walking into the office and you know they're desperately looking for something they've been let down they've mm. like, and they have this dream and for me to try and match them with a house mm. and that's why it's been so wonderful you know with my career now even with Place mm. in the Sun and all the other houses or property shows that I've done it's all about matching someone with their dream house do you think uh, because you've done it for so long that you get an instinct actually you sometimes feel I I think I know what you want mm. you don't know but I know absolutely yeah it takes a while to get people to that point a lot of the time like people will have a wish list and that will change it's always fluid you know it depends on what they see as you take them out but often I think you know sometimes better than the client does but it's about showing them the different options until they get to a point where they're comfortable but yeah. there's definitely a real human element to it as well like absolutely love matching people to to their homes for sure and also you get to do that you get to snoop around other people's houses <laughs> I mean if you're nosy yeah I, uh, I yeah. mean most of us are you're desperate to see how people mm. live. My favourite time of the year is when the, the clocks go back and everyone leaves their curtains open. So when you're walking <laughs> down the street at night, you go, oh, I didn't know you yeah. done it like that. And I did it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's a wonder I've not been arrested. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely haven't done that, but yeah, I'm not judging you. It's fine. <laughs> so come on, Amanda, tell us something, some funny stories of the places that you've been into. I've got lots of stories. I'll try and keep it brief. So back in the early noughties, I think it was about 2004, I was filming A Place in the Sun and we were out in Marbella and we managed to gain access to a house that Prince owned. What? And we went to have a look around it and I was beside myself. And it's exactly what you want. The big electric gates. You walked into the front door and there was this huge sweeping staircase. And it was when he became the symbol. So there was these yeah. huge, um, beautiful drapes with the symbol embroidered on it. It was a huge picture of him naked from the torso up at the top of the stairs. 
And I remember going into his bedroom and before I went in thinking, please let it be a pop star bedroom. Please don't let it just be like some sort of bog standard. Four poster bed, purple satin sheets, mirror on the ceiling. (laughs) Shush, come on. (laughs) But the best bit was because, God rest his soul, he was quite small, wasn't he? He wasn't the tallest pop star in the world. Everything had been built smaller than you Stop would imagine. It. Okay. So we had sort of purple marble um, worktops, <laughs> which was just fabulous. But the toilet, so obviously you need to go to the toilet on yeah. Prince's toilet because it's like part of the deal. So I went to go to the toilet and you know when you go to a kid's school and all the, the toilets are slightly lower than they should be? Well, I not really thought about it. So I just sat down expecting to, and I and I obviously didn't sit down <laughs> and I hit my coccyx on the, on the toilet hurt so I was sort of on the floor like lying on the floor did he have one of those things you use for your kids as well that you like put a little in there? Steps. <laughs> no, you, a little step to get up and then those things on the toilet bowl so you can yeah. fit into it he had he had a purple marble barbecue I remember that and I remember just thinking did you break your ass on Princess it Twilight? did hurt quite a bit actually but it was the lying on the floor you know things around my ankles just going this really really hurts and then trying to get up and walk out again and sort of play it cool but so just got to wander around his house it was amazing are there are there any houses that you wish you'd bought yourself oh yeah i mean when we first started filming a place in the sun we we did europe but then we went further afield and we went to um what, can we just take a minute? What a gig. I know. Yeah. What a gig. It was my yeah. first gig as well. Oh, come on. I know. It's like, would you mind? <laughs> Travelling the world. Yeah, okay. Seeing people's houses. <laughs> if I have to. There were two that always come to mind. One was on a tiny Caribbean island called Cariacou. And I remember the director and I were like, let's buy it, let's buy it. We can we can split it. And we were being totally impractical. Um, but it was amazing just watching these little hummingbirds that also, they, they, have you ever seen a hummingbird in real life? They, they don't look real. They look like a mythical creature. They're tiny little things. And we were like, oh, beats the sparrows that we get back home. And then there was another one on a Greek island of um, Paros. And it was owned by a German architect and his wife and what he did was he bought a plot of land and then he camped on it for about two weeks and he watched where the sun rose and the sun set and he built this house around that so the bedroom was you could have your coffee in the morning as the sun was rising and then the afternoon and then cocktails as the sun was setting it was stunning so there's a lot that have got away from me that's commitment camping out for two weeks could have just used a compass no Oh, see, so <laughs> I was going to talk about the, heart rom- the romance. <laughs> exactly. Come on. Heart versus head. I think it's very plain to see where we both stand. <laughs> yeah, where's the romance in that? Um, so let's talk about people who are looking for properties. I know we're talking about a place in the sun. So that's something very specific because yeah, they're course. often yeah. looking for their second home. But what are the things that we should look out for? Let's talk about people who are looking Fun. to buy a property. What are the things that house hunters? need to prioritise? And this is a question for both of you. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because we've just been talking about heart versus head. And I don't know about you, but when I was an estate agent, I would have so many clients that would would come with a list and then they'd walk in somewhere that didn't have anything on that mm. list. But they'd be like, oh, this is it. This is the one. It's an interesting one, isn't mm. it? How you have to balance practicality with 
yeah. that gut feeling. It's not always easy to quantify at, at all. Because like you say, it's emotion. And the worst feedback sometimes for a client to get is, oh, they didn't get the right feeling. Because you can't yeah. give any reason as to why. But I always tell people, you know, buy the, the things that you can't change first, right? So buy the orientation, the way it faces, the character, the period. Buy the things that you can't change. The, the interior. The location, you know, you yeah. can't pick it up and move it. Obviously, the interiors can change. You know, you mm. can extend, you can renovate kitchens, bathrooms, whatever. But the bones of it, you're never going to be able to change as long as that should go to first. Mm. Um, but again, not everyone can see that. Not everyone has the vision or indeed the appetite because it's a slog yes. doing a, doing a renovation. It's the thing about vision. Mm. So you're right, people, not everyone does have the vision. And most people think they have, mm. but you know better than I do because yeah. you do this, for, do this for a living. How Can you convince people to see what you can see? I think it's a really interesting one because a lot of people have, like you say, they don't have the vision. I, I remember when I bought the house that we're in at the moment, <laughs> it, we live in a, a tall Victorian semi and there were two pairs of them. Ours was up for sale and the one two doors down was up for sale. Ours had been rented out for years and was a mess. This one was immaculate. So I looked at both and then I went, ooh, so I could take that wall down and I could do that. So it was almost like a before and after. Mm. So I was very lucky mm. to be able to do that. But I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, you need to get your priorities straight and you need to work out what's important to mm. you. You know, if you're planning, I hate to bring up the whole catchment schools area, but if you are planning it's to important. have children. No, no, this is important yeah. stuff. Let's bring it, come on, give us the priority. Well, things, again, it's it's so different. You know, if you really like to cook, is there going to be enough space to have a big open plan mm. kitchen? You know, if you're not that bothered about that, then that's not a priority. Are you planning on it being your forever home? The other thing I would suggest doing, if you're buying with someone, and I often say this, and I've said it to people ever since I've been an estate agent, is sit down in separate rooms and write a list of your top 10 wants and then swap. Okay. See, I don't care about off-road parking. Not bothered yeah. about it at all. Right. But I know a lot of people are. Yeah. You know, bedroom sizes. I love big mm. bedrooms. I love big bathrooms. A lot of people don't. So it's working out what is important to you and you have to be on the same hymn sheet. Yeah. Otherwise people like you get driven mad. Yeah, well, it's entirely subjective, isn't it? The other option is you just don't make any decisions and let your wife make the decisions, which is what I did. And, you know, I didn't even do you, see... Do you know what? You probably get a big old insight into relationships. Yeah. I mean, how much of it is managing couples' expectations if it isn't... Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a big part of it. Ultimately, there's usually always a compromise, but there's usually one side of the couple that is clearly less invested. You know, there's one side of the couple that's being dragged around and the other one's, like, skipping into the rooms. That's usually the way it goes. Uh, which was in my case, you know, I hadn't seen my place until we exchanged. But I, I, that, you, you know, haven't that seen says, your house. No, but that's, that's a lot of trust. Thank you. That's exactly what. That's exactly what I was yeah. going to say. So <laughs> no, no, I good. think it shows how much I love and are you and happy trust there? my wife. Uh, yeah, thankfully, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm I said, you an wait a minute. I was going to say, can we get some of this? You are an estate agent, and yeah, you left it to your extreme extreme confidence. You know, I was happy with it remotely. She was happy. That's ninety percent of the battle. I think location's yeah. important as well because I think, particularly if you're a first time buyer yeah. and you have a spot that you really, really love, yeah. and you can't afford it. I, I always call it the ripple effect. You know, think about dropping a, a, a pebble in a lake and watching it ripple out. So when I first moved to London, um, I lived in Wandsworth. Which Very was nice. In, yeah, South but, London. It, yeah, early Big. 90s, everyone wanted to live 
over the river. They all wanted to be in Chelsea or Fulham. Nobody wanted to touch Wandsworth. I couldn't afford Fulham or Chelsea. Yeah. And I liked Wandsworth. Mm. And and I remember buying my first flat when I was 21. Wow. Well it was done. above a well-known well yeah. pizza chain. So I can never eat their spinach and egg pizza now without <laughs> thinking about that flat. But, you know, I think if people are listening to this and they're thinking... I really want to live here, but my budget won't stretch. Start looking out. I think this is really important advice because like you, I bought my first place and it was in 2004 and it was an area where not many people were living. It was an, a little area called London Fields, mm-hmm. which as we all know, because now we are where we are, it was just boomed. But at that point, you wouldn't go there. Yeah. Um, so, But it was the only place I could afford and I really like this flat. But I do speak to a lot of young people who say they really want to get on the property market. A, they're worried about how to afford yeah. a mortgage, which we will talk about. Mm. Um, but but they want to live in the area they want to live in. So then you have to compromise. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you desperately want to be in that area and yeah. all your budget will stretch to is a studio flat, mm. then so be it. And I think it comes back again to what we were talking about, priorities. It's yeah. working out your own individual set of priorities. If you want the location to be the most important mm. thing, then you're going to compromise on size. If you want a bigger house or a bigger flat, then you're going to need to move further out. Yeah. I think that changes as you get older as well, right? Like your first place, you're maybe willing to compromise on location and, mm. you know, slum it or whatever you need to do to get your foot on the ladder, which is the most important thing. Whereas when you've got little ones and a wife and everything else, maybe location is more of a preference. But the reality is you're only there because you got your foot on the ladder in the first place. Mm. And the foresight to buy in London Fields is, you know, incredible because Lucky. the prices there now is yeah. are, are through the roof. But again, nobody wanted to live there at the time. Yeah. It's only because I knew, and this is the God's honest truth, there was a really nice pub. Yeah. yeah. And I'd been to the pub and I thought, oh, well, I like the pub. It's very important. I mean, that's yeah. that was my priority. priority. I was early 20s. My priority was the pub. Let's talk property market. There are lots of people listening who will want some advice. Give us an overview uh, of the situation. Yeah, the market's incredibly precarious and it's probably the most mercurial I've seen it in a very, very long time. Cost of living is a concern for people. Um, you know, money isn't cheap anymore and rising interest rates are definitely hampering the demand to some degree. But what we tend to find is any uh, homes that are family homes are incredibly, incredibly resilient because mm-hmm. they're reliant on what we call a constant demographic. You know, people are buying there for different reasons. Financials are there and they're important, but the priority is schooling or kids or space mm-hmm. or, you know, if your wife's pregnant with twins, like in my case, you have to move. You know, you, you, you can't stay in a two-bedroom flat wherever you're in if you've got four kids. So I think that need... To, to move keeps the most of London pretty resilient, especially the confidence in capital growth over time as well, averaged 8% a year according to Rightmove. So, you know, I, I am uh, conscious and sensitive that that might not be viable or possible for all people, but certainly the family home market in London is, has proven to stay pretty resilient. I think you need to get all your eggs in your basket, so to speak, before you even start. When the demand outstrips the supply Mm. it's a scary time i know where i live you know we've got really good schools it's green and leafy it's very lovely one house comes on the market and it's like that scene from gladiator with russell crowe you know they're all there (laughs) there's all these buyers potentially ready to go and it's like unleash hell and they're all there you know estate agents dream though i mean it isn't it isn't because you you know people make that assumption i get it but ultimately if we don't have enough houses to sell yeah. and we're, we're annoying the other 10 people that have made an offer on it because they haven't bought the house so hard, it's not it? the ideal situation but you've touched on probably the biggest point because the london market is always underpinned by supply and demand and mm. typically 
typically there is always a lack of supply if you want to be on a certain road or in a certain location. So even when you're reading in the press that the market's on its knees, I promise you, if it's a property on a prime road, road, it is selling. Yeah. Um, I think you need to make sure that you've got all your finances in place. Yeah. That's that's so important because it, it's no good looking. Don't even bother looking until you know that you can afford it mm. and know exactly how much money that you've got yeah. and factor in all your fees and all your costs and your moving and your fa- all of that. You have to have that amount mm. ready to go 100%. The other thing I would say, and, and it's interesting because Grant and I are from... Um, different times (laughs) back in the 80s we didn't have computers we had this little i used to call it my hot box it was sat on my desk and i had all my buyers that i liked and were ready to go at the front of that box interesting so whenever we got a property friends with your estate i was about to say the very same thing we live in a society now where it's all done online isn't Mm. it you know all the vast majority of it that's where you first start to look for, for for property yeah Go in to an office, speak to a human being. It makes the world of difference because they're there then. And when something comes on, if you take something on, if you've met that person, instantly they're the one. That's how I got my first buck. Because I made friends with the estate agent. There was another person who wanted it. And she was in a position to go as well. And she turned up with her mum to have a look. But he just, he was like, I'm going to help you. Get on this, get on the property ladder. And that was it. You're spot on. I mean, it it is as simple as that a lot of the time. It's if they call you before anyone else, then you've got a, a stronger chance of getting the house. But the slight problem is now there's 50 estate agents on every high street. So yeah. unless you're going to make friends with every single estate agent on the high street, it's, it's tricky. So from hot boxes to social media. Yeah. I, I mean, the world, like this is where you are now. Mm. Like you've kind of opened this whole new world. Yeah. Love what you're doing on social Thank media. You. Literally take us into people's... Uh, do people buy from social media? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us, uh, 20%, explain this new world to us. Uh, 20% of my business last year came from social media. There's a real desire, not just with property, but uh, across the board in terms of media to have short, ter- sh- you know, quick, short information. And I think it's a lot easier to jump on and see a 90-second video than it is to review the details, the floor plan, go around and see it. And you can get a very good idea from video. Yeah, you can. I, I mean, I'm shocked, really. We were discussing it briefly before that video in general even aside from social media hasn't been used years ago because it's such a cleaner way to view property than slightly wider than typical shots of the best parts of the house because the video shows everything and I think there's a nice and you get a feel of flow the flow and slightly more informal and people like that I think the days of doing business incredibly formally are are, are done and dusted, to be quite frank. I think you still need to retain the, you know, the professionalism and the knowledge, but it needs to be an element of personality with it as well. So we've talked about buying, uh, we've talked about buying off social media, but what Mm. about people who want to sell? I've got quite a bit, yeah. Where are we going to go with this? Top tips. Anyone who wants to put their property on the market, 2023. Well, Mm. I'm going to just go back to the 90s a minute and talk about the cleaning fairy. So, um... I was trying to sell a house. I can still remember the address of it. Number two Bolton Road in Southsea. And it was on with multiple agents. And it was owned by a guy that used to use it at the weekends. And it was a bit like, do you remember men behaving badly? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a bit like a kind of Neil Moore. It was a mess. Oh, and we could not... And he only used it at the weekends. Yeah. It was still a mess. He used to come down and party with all his mates and then go back up to London. And um, six months we were trying to sell this thing for. So I had a viewing and it was like, hallelujah. So I turned up with some rubber gloves. Let myself in because I knew he wasn't going to be there. And I cleaned it. You cleaned this man's house? I emptied the curry cartons. I cleared out the ashtrays. I made the bed. I aired it. I gave it a quick squirt with some air freshener. Showed the people around. 
And um, on the <laughs> Monday, amazing. they called and said, we would love to put in an offer. I was like, yes, I've done it. And I called him up. I went, oh, hello, Mr. Jones. Um, it's Amanda here from the from GA. I've managed to sell the house. We've got an offer. He went, oh, no, I sold it four months ago through the Halifax, didn't I tell you? Oh. They hadn't changed the locks. So the new owners were just as messy as the old oh owners. Oh, my God. And they'd gone out and I'd come in and completely transformed That's it. hilarious. But the main point of that story was, Presentation yeah. is everything. Okay. Does this mean you have to redecorate? Because what no. is presentation? Just clean it. I Go was on. about to say yes. Would you say yes? Go on. I mean, I, I, I just think there's a there's a lot to be said for staging, and the difficulty with it is, it's again, it's hard to quantify for people. Okay, I'm going to spend this much. Is it going? All people care about is, is it going to add value well, to my house? Well, if you're living in it, you're living in a house. You got kids. You got a dog. I accept what are you that, do? but you've got to pretend you don't live there Get rid for of the them. period of the viewings. <laughs> yeah, you've got to disappear, pretend you don't live there, vacate the house. You know, not permanently, but for the showings. So the way I often organise it is, I'll say, okay, these two three days we're going to access. These two three days we need it show home. Esque, you know, you yeah. need to pretend you don't live there for that period. Give me a slot in this time, and I'm bringing people through because there's so much emotion involved in buying a house. And even though the reality is it is not going to stay like that for more than two minutes after someone yeah, moves in, it's all about presentation. So staging, little bit of decoration. You know, there's loads of little things you can do, but like you know, squeaky smoke alarms that I feel like everyone has in their mm. house because they haven't changed the battery. Do that. Grouting on bathrooms. Repaint kids fingerprints on the mm. wheels uh, the, the wheels the walls yeah. uh, and exterior as well like plant pots make sure the exterior looks fresh you yes. don't want people to rule it out before they've gone through the door so I have a golden rule trim mm. your bush and polish your knockers okay yeah. hey! <laughs> yes, that is, but it is it's the first thing that people see when they when you're online you spend on average I've read this somewhere I don't know whether it's mm. true or not but you spend on average between five to eight seconds looking at the photograph and if like Grant was saying you know if the bins are out if the door yeah. isn't you know painted if the, the the bush is overgrown you've got to sort it out um the other thing I find do you think is, that could reduce the value the offer you get if it's not yeah quite... like it doesn't it, it's a difficult one because it doesn't change literal value but it changes appeal which yeah. could change the value in terms of what someone offers because if someone falls in love and they're emotionally invested they can offer I, I always say it's like a piece of art right it's got mm. a residual value but yeah. you'll pay whatever you need to which is why prices in London don't stay the same for a long period of time. They mm. tend to always go up because people fall in love and pay a premium for the street and whatever. But bin day is a good one. Yeah, do not oh, yeah. do viewings on Don't a bin day. That's, yeah, that's it, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. I think another thing that I often say to people is imagine you've sold the house. You know, imagine that all of this has to be moved. So if you're, if you're starting to think about, you know, if you're just dipping your toe in at the moment and you're starting to think about it, imagine having to clear it out. Imagine mm. the removal van is outside. Mm. So start the decluttering process before you put it on the market. Yeah. So Amanda, your top tips for selling? Well, selling is an interesting one. If you live in a fast moving market like London, you might well just put a board up outside and sit back and wait for the office to come. But there are lots of parts of the country where it's not so fast moving. First of all, check out your competition. You know, work out, you know, your house. Have a look at all the other houses that are similar to yours that are on the market. What do they look like? How are they presented? Talking about presenting, you have to present to sell. Strip it back. Make each room fit for the purpose that it's intended. This is an interesting one. So if you've got a spare bedroom that's become the dumping ground or the ironing board is in there and there is no bedroom mm. or no bed, put a bed in it. Yep. You'll be amazed at the amount of people that will walk into a bedroom and if there isn't a bed in it, will say, well, we can't get a bed in here. Well, we can because it's a bedroom. Yeah. So you have to stage each room 
the vast majority of people, when they walk into a house, they can't imagine themselves living in it mm. if it's full of somebody else's clutter. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and I do have about a thousand CDs and about forty thousand books. So there yes, you go. Okay, I'm just going to expose that much of myself. <laughs> All right, Grant. What about rent versus buying? Mm. There will be a lot of people, particularly first-time buyers, and maybe people who already have bought, but now they're not sure what to do about yeah. once they've sold. Do you sit tight with your money and wait? And rent or is rent dead money what should we be doing i think it's subjective but the best time to buy was 20 years ago the next best time is today and i always say to people don't concentrate on time in the market just concentrate on your time in the market so don't overthink it is my very short candid opinion but of course you've got to look at the financials but it's impossible to pick the bottom it's impossible to try and predict even i can't predict what's going to happen with interest rates and base rate and everything else so i just think it's when you're personally comfortable and when you're ready and as we said earlier you know you need to run your numbers tenfold and you need to account for changes and make sure that when you commit you can afford it not for the next two three years for the next 10 years or if you're moving out of the area, that's an interesting one. So if you were living in a city and, mm. uh, and what a lot of people have done post-COVID, I think, is move out, you know, to the country. Or yeah. downsize. Or downsize, mm. yeah. So if that's the case, or if you're moving to somewhere completely different, then renting maybe isn't as bad because you can get a sense of, you know, when you first moved to an area, you haven't got a clue, have you? Mm. Apart from the fact there's a pub next door. But, you know, you want to get a feel for the place. So sometimes I think... If you are leaving a big city and you're moving to a different part of the country, renting isn't always a bad thing because you can just base yourself for six months and sort of start to work out the areas that you want to be or the type of... You, you, you know. definitely can, but I'd be careful about taking your foot off the ladder in that situation. If it's your only asset and you've sold it and mm. you're in rented and the market rockets and speeds away from you, it's yeah. a very risky game to play. So the, I get it in terms of working out an area for sure, mm. but I'd say always have a foot on the ladder in some capacity if it's an option, depending on your personal financial circumstances. Oh, it's good. It's like having the best advice from my mum and dad. This is. <laughs> Love it. I'm not sure how to take that. But take it In a, a good way. Yeah. Your older brother and sister. Okay, your mates. Yeah. Your yeah. mates. Much better. Yeah. Mates. You, you, yeah. Your highly yeah. informed yeah, yeah. mates. Uh, lovely. Are you ready for some quick fire questions, you two? Yeah. Go on then. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, mm. Are you ready for a challenge? Yes. No, yes. I was ready for a gin and tonic, actually. But I mean, it's, it's coming. First. Don't worry. Um, okay, so I've got a list of statements that I'm going to read out to you. And these are things that people often ask Hamptons estate agents. You've just got to give me the advice. Okay. Whether it's true or not. Mm -hmm. Here we go. I don't want to work with an agency. It's cheaper to sell my own home, surely. <sighs> oh, but you don't get that personal touch, do you? And you don't get the expert knowledge. Grant, yeah. why am I wasting my money giving wish, it to an estate I wish I'd agent? Had, I wish I'd had this. It's the, probably the most offensive thing. So, I mean, it's my career and you're literally <laughs> telling me I'm not, I shouldn't even be in your house, which is great. Um, I think it's just employ the expert, right? If, if we're salespeople, we're there for a reason. Mm. Um, and if our pedigree is what it is, then we're going to be able to deliver a much, much stronger price. Um, if you're not a salesperson, please please don't yeah. attempt it. I'm not a salesperson and no. I would need someone like you to hold my hand through the whole but, process. And even aside from the, sa the sales element of it, you know, you need to understand the market. You need to be able to have like granular conversations mm -hmm. with people about what the market's d doing, where it's going, the fundamentals of it. And I just think you could be biting off more than you can chew. And also you're personally invested as an owner. You know, you're personally, you're, you Someone will get offended. comes around and says, oh, oh yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, my head out, get out. Yeah, my house is worth sure. a million yeah. pounds. This, really, everyone else's is worth 160,000. Yeah. This is rubbish, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. I'd be yeah. rubbish. I'd just be offended and kicking <laughs> yeah. them out. Yeah. All right, next one. 
I'm selling my home next year, so there's really no point in doing any work on it, surely. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you absolutely have to do the basics. You've got to stage it. Definitely don't put an extension on. You know, you don't need to start doing any major works. But as we said earlier, you know, the basics, the staging, the decoration, mm. you know, cleaning the carpets, presenting it as well as you can within a certain budget, minimal cost. Mm. It's essential. You're selling the dream. I think one of yeah. the reasons why when you go to these enormous housing estates, they have a show home. Mm. They have a show home because they are selling the dream to you. Mm. That's why there's a croissant and a, and a newspaper mm. and some reading glasses perched <laughs> on the side. They're doing it because people can walk in and go, oh, I could be sitting there yeah. eating a croissant. That That's croissant what show homes lovely. are. Yeah. <laughs> I've quite eaten. I've often yeah. quite eaten them. But I think, <laughs> but I think it is really important, as, as Grant said, you have to do the bare minimum. Mm. Make it presentable. Make it smell nice. Yeah, oh, yeah, Ooh, big one. I've been in some big shockers. One. You don't need to like bake bread or cookies. You don't need to go like full American on it, but you certainly need to make sure. It nice candle. Yeah, or if you've got a dog, like I'm sure your dog doesn't smell, but you know she other really people doesn't. can smell it. Mm, yeah. Make yeah. sure that the house yeah. is is smelling good. It's cheaper to rent than get a mortgage in 2023. <sighs> not where I live. Yeah, not not if you factor in capital growth. It might be short term, but it's not going to be if that property's worth 20% more in a year's time. I think it's really important as well, to recognise that a lot of people can't buy at the moment and renting is the only option. Um, And I think if you are going into that rental market, as much as you can, you know, it's such a tricky one, isn't it? You've got to keep your costs down, I think. The plan, you know, I appreciate not everyone can buy right now, but ultimately, if if you are going to rent or if you're in a situation where you have to rent, I'd say live well below your means to try and build up that pot to buy. And it is impossible. It was much easier Mm. 10, 20 years ago, right? But, uh, you know, do what you can because... Like your mum and dad's back, back room. See, I'm trying to get rid of my kids at the moment, even though they're only nine and 14. (laughs) But I often keep saying to them, please don't come back. (laughs) At 18, you're off. But it is very difficult, isn't it? It's so difficult. I know we know a whole generation who, Mm. unless your parents can afford to help you, Mm. how are you supposed to get on the property ladder? You know, it's very, very difficult. Mm. So for a lot of people, renting is the only option. Mm. So live well below your means. Well, if that is the only option, yeah, that that would be my advice. You'll romanticise it about it in five years. Or or just, you know, we are a country obsessed with buying property. There are plenty of places Mm. in Europe that just don't. People rent forever and that's fine. Yeah, but a lot of places in Europe, or certain places in Europe, the rent will be fixed and it won't be going up the pace it is here. Yeah. That, that's the risk. I think sometimes renting, can, it seems like a good option short term, but it can end up being quite a dangerous option long term. I think if you are planning on renting or you can only afford to rent, it's a really good idea. Again, like we talked about earlier with the ripple effect, look in certain areas where the rent might be a slightly cheaper, maybe get a slightly smaller property, mm. get the basics that you can afford. And then like Grant was saying, save as much as you can in order to try and buy. I don't need to worry about planning permissions unless my house is old. Always, <laughs> always get planning permission yeah, because the there's... thought of living yeah. on your nerves, worrying that someone's going to, you know, tell on you or, or you're going to be told to pull it down, don't ever. Also, you can't sell it. Yeah. If you come When you come to sell it and the lawyer looks at that and the buyer sees you've got no planning permission for your double-storey extension you've done at the back, I mean, you're not, you're not selling yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, Just basically. do it above board. Just get do it. it. Yeah. I'm thinking of becoming a landlord. Mm. Is it worth it? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's definitely not all roses. There's struggles. And I think the biggest mistake people make with becoming a landlord is they just throw themselves into it because they think property, wherever you buy it, is going to be a great investment, which 
isn't true. I think the first thing you need to do is realize it's an investment and you need to decide what you're trying to make this investment do. So are you looking to generate more income? Are you looking to for it to be a safeguard, like a replacement for your pension? Um, because there's very different areas and different uh, ways to invest. So for example, I've got quite a few properties up in the Northeast in Darlington, where you've got a huge rental return. So that's the purpose of that is income. I've got a fair few properties in London, but if you think that you're going to make money from renting in London, you are sadly mistaken. You do not make any very, very little per year, certainly not enough to warrant the stress. So you're banking there on capital growth over time because historically London always increases in, in price. So I think the first thing to do is decide why you're doing it. You know, Don't just assume it's going to be a great investment, whatever you do, um, and then think about based on what you're looking to get out of it, where you're going to put your your money. I'm never playing Monopoly with him. No, I know. He's, he's a winner. That's it. He's Mayfair. He would take part lane. He's ruthless. <laughs> We'd be on Old Kent Road, me and you. I always We'd buy, be in jail. I always buy Old Kent Road. It's a great investment. There you go. Number one tip, hotels on Old Kent Road. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Grant. I thoroughly enjoyed that. It's been so brilliant to have you here with me and I have definitely learnt a lot on decluttering as of this evening. Now, that may well be all we have time for, but you can join the conversation online. We want to hear about your property stories. So get in touch and don't forget to use our hashtag, no place like Hamptons. See you next time.